This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hear more from Free FM. For a small monthly fee, you can become a patron and support independent community media. Go to patreon.com slash freefm89 to find out how. Now, as you know, in the um, upcoming election, we'll have a yes or no for two referendum questions. We discussed end-of-life choice on last week's show, if you were tuned in on Friday uh, with Mike Williams. And today we're going to be talking about the Cannabis Legislation and Control Bill. Um, In a moment, I'm going to ask Campaign Manager for Make It Legal, Sandra Larson, to join us uh, to talk about some of those nuances that we might not be aware of and to do a little bit of myth-busting. But first, I just want you to uh, get a sense of the purpose purpose of this bill. Uh, the bill intends to reduce cannabis-related harm to individuals, families, whānau and communities. And there are lots of ways that they are looking at doing that, providing access to legal cannabis that meets quality and potency requirements, eliminating the illegal supply of cannabis, raising awareness of the health risks associated with cannabis use, restricting young people's access to cannabis, limiting the public visibility of cannabis, requiring health warnings on packaging and at the time of purchase, improving access to health and social services and other kinds of support for families whānau and making sure the response to any breach of the law is fair. So that's the purpose of this. But we'll have Sandra to help us understand, uh, I guess, what uh, a little bit more detail around um, the control and legislation aspect of it. And then again, a little bit of myth-busting. Thank you for joining us this morning. Yeah, kia ora. Good morning. Um, look, I've, I've seen a lot of misinformation and misunderstandings out there about this bill, but I wonder if I've, I mean, I've briefed um, us on the, I guess, the purpose of purpose of this bill, but I wondered if you could go through some of the key, um, I guess, issues around control and legislation, although some of those changes that we might see. Yeah, sure. The, there are a lot of myths. Um, out there, and there, there are, is a lot of misinformation, um, and it's very difficult to get uh, cut through to explain those things. So, it's really appreciate the opportunity to go through those. Probably one of the uh, misinformations and, and myths that we are seeing the most out there is that there's going to be a huge increase in drug driving deaths uh, on the roads if we legalise it. Now, nowhere in the world that has legalised it has actually seen that happen, and that's mostly because. Um, the the current law prohibition doesn't actually work. It's not a deterrent. Uh, of the, like our law prohibition has been in, in place for forty five years, and if you look at people under forty five, eighty percent of them have used cannabis. And of the people who are arrested and convicted of cannabis, ninety percent of them go on to keep using cannabis. So anyone who's on the road and uh, you know silly enough to drive while intoxicated is already doing it. So after we legalise it, there will still be silly people who drive while intoxicated in about the same numbers. And there's not going to be any increase uh, in the number of people who use cannabis. We'll have an initial little blip as everyone rushes out and tries legal cannabis. And then everyone will go, actually, no, I still don't like it. Uh, And it'll go back to about the same levels. So we're expecting that um, driving incidents related to cannabis will probably stay around the same. There's no reason to believe that there'd be an increase in fatalities. Uh, As well as that, cannabis driving, of course, is associated with um, low-speed accidents, not high-speed accidents. (laughs) People on cannabis tend to drive very slowly. 
So you, you do have incidents, but you don't have fatalities. It's not like alcohol where people you know, zoom down the road at 150 kilometres an hour and smack into a wall and kill themselves. So it's, not, it's, the, not that high-risk behaviour we might associate with alcohol. And so based on right. international research, there is no indication that there would be an increase in drugged driving as a result of legalisation. That's right. So a lot of people think... Um, and, and, yeah, this this issue. And it's the same with the employment issue. People go, oh, everyone's going to turn up at work stoned. And you go, well, you know, those are all assuming that we're introducing cannabis anew. You know, we're introducing this new drug. Everyone tries it. Suddenly, everyone's stoned at work, or everyone's stoned behind the wheel. But you've got to understand the reason we're changing the law is because so many people use it now and totally ignore the law. That you've got to start to ask, why do we bother staying with this law that everyone ignores? And um, so there's got to be. Same with employment, just because we've legalised it, it's not going to make any change to employment law. We already have employment law, we already have employment contracts, we already have employment policies, we already have employment drug testing. Um, you know, and that's because cannabis is already here. Mm-hmm. We're already managing cannabis. The only thing we're doing now is removing the illegality of it uh, in order to you know, avoid all the, the social problems that come with criminalising a large number of people. Can you talk um, about for no some, good of the, some of the problems of um, it currently being illegal and the impact on people? Yes, that's right. Uh, particularly the impact on Murray, of course. Uh, young Murray men are um, um, hugely disproportionately affected by this law, which is, um, has been very biased over the years. And is that something that you feel is well recognised or well understood? And and I guess um, the conversations that you're having and the debates that you're seeing on this uh, reform. Um, What we see, we our Facebook page, for example, we we moderate around five thousand comments a month, and it's really interesting to see that some of the the things that we think are key issues, for example, uh, the fact that the law is quite biased. Um, what what that clearly shows is, is how racist New Zealand really is. Um, you have people that that understand that there is racism in New Zealand, and they are quite shocked by the statistics around the criminalisation of Maori for cannabis. Mm. Um, and but then you very blatantly see um, you know the other people who are just racist as fuck, and um, and they just don't see that as a problem. In fact, they they possibly see that as a benefit of the current law. Mm. So um, that one's a really difficult one for us because we think it's a very strong point, but actually for certain people it's a, um, it's almost a reason to vote no. Wow. Um, so, I mean, we hear a lot of people, and I guess for many whanau in particular, they'll be really concerned about um, perhaps... It appearing to increase act. I mean, we all know how easy it is to buy it, but uh, uh, increasing access to cannabis, and they're concerned about the mental health of uh, the farno. Can you talk to us about what research tells us about that? So the the mental health issue. Um, I suppose first of all, just to explain, you know, that this is this is sort of an area that people don't take a step back and think. Okay, there is a risk of harm with cannabis, and with risk, it has two parts. What is the likelihood? And how bad is the consequence? So with cannabis, between 90 to 95% of people who enjoy cannabis do so with no harm, no ill effect. Nothing ever happens to them. They're, they're fine. Around 5 to 10% of people experience some sort of harm. Now, those people are very heavy daily users. So not just occasional use. We're talking about you know, people who are using cannabis multiple times in a day, every day. Um, and they also tend to have underlying mental health problems. 
um, mm-hmm. which were pre-existing to them using cannabis, or they have come from a, a place of trauma or um, abuse, particularly as a child, and they've started their heavy daily use while they're still a teenager. So it's a very specific group of people who are harmed by cannabis. If you are already 40 years old and you start heavy daily use, you're probably not going to experience harm at all. Um, so people worry about the, the mental health impacts of cannabis, and it's not so much that cannabis causes those problems as that cannabis exacerbates existing problems for some people. For other people with mental health issues, it helps them. Mm-hmm. And that is actually, this is where we come back to the law, is that the, um, the problems occur when people are having high THC cannabis. Cannabis that has a, um, a, a balance of THC and CBD in it is that the CBD counteracts the harmful effects of the THC. But in illegal cannabis, of course, what everyone's trying to do is make their cannabis as high in THC as possible. So the the legal status of cannabis is making cannabis stronger and more likely to harm. Whereas if it's legal, what happens is consumers choose differently. At the moment, you know, um, people go for high THC because they want bang for buck. Once it's legal, they will choose because actually this one's mellow or that one tastes good or I quite like the way this one puts me to sleep. Well, actually, I just want a low THC, high CBD blend. So <laughs> under legalization, consumers um, go for choice. It's a bit like alcohol. Under alcohol prohibition, everyone drank moonshine and whiskey. Mm. But now that it's legal, people might choose wine or beer or cider or low alcoholic beer or Yeah, I'm glad you described it like that. Uh, When I was in Amsterdam, you know, you could walk into a coffee shop and there's this huge range and I could never really understand what the difference was. Um, But I guess that's where uh, legalisation helps us to control uh, the potency, uh, which would be safer. What has the bill got in place uh, to reduce the harm for um, those experiencing, I guess, abuse of it or feeling ill effects of, of cannabis use? The whole bill has been structured to minimise harm and to reduce the illicit market. Those are the, the two aims of, you know, the two, the, the two over, overarching aims of the bill. So everything about it is about harm minimisation. There is a, an R20 age limit, um, which has still been debated as to whether R20 is the right age. Um, but there are uh, restrictions on where cannabis is sold. There is no advertising allowed of cannabis sales. Uh, plain packaging on the packets anyway. Um, they've got to be labelled, quality checked. You know how strong they are. And that's a really important thing, mm. knowing what you're buying. Initially, it will only be leaf and flower and seeds. You won't be able to go out and buy the, the really intensive dabs and concentrates. Um, they still won't be legal. Um, there's a harm minimisation levy. So when you purchase cannabis, you pay a little bit of extra tax. And that money goes into a fund which will be spent on mental health and addiction services drug education and public health messaging. Okay, um, uh, and as, as, yeah, we all know that our mental health and addiction services are underfunded, so this would actually fund those services, not just for people who have cannabis problems, but for everyone. The last time I spoke with you, I think it was pre-COVID, and we hadn't had the economic impact of COVID at that point. So this is actually in many ways a bit of an opportunity at an opportune time to, um, to uh, is it one over a billion dollars um, that we could, yeah, no. an income? It's, it's certainly, it's certainly well, a huge. <laughs> it's a huge opportunity. I mean, the the government released um, a report that was done by Burl Consultants um, on what the economic costs and benefits might be, and 
uh, they were saying that like a, a 1.5 billion dollar industry, uh, you know, sort of around 5,000 jobs nationwide, mm. um, that it would be a, a real opportunity for New Zealand to, um, at a time when we really need a new opportunity, mm. we really need a new industry. And the thing about the cannabis industry is that most of those jobs would be in the regions. Um, there would be retail stores in the cities, but the growing uh, and, the, and everything would have to be done in, in the countryside. So it's a, a new industry for the ag sector, basically. Mm. Um, it, it really and it just seems, it seems strange to me, you know, that normally when, when we yes, a new industry pops up, everyone's like, oh, look at this new industry, isn't it great? All these business people going, oh, look at the you opportunity. You think National would be all over it, but... Yeah, yeah, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, we don't want this new industry. It's like, <laughs> why don't we want this new industry? This is, a, a, you know, has enormous potential, and once we get into um, export markets and things like that, it's, it's, um, there could be a huge amount of growth. Mm-hmm. New Zealand is really well-placed for growing some of the, the best product in the world. And just in the time that we have left, I, I recognise that a lot of people have, you know, teenagers at home, um, there is, I believe it, a myth. I hope that you might have some actual facts or research behind it about uh, cannabis being a gateway drug to others, the likes of meths, um, amphetamines. Is is that the case? No, no. Um, I actually have a seventeen-year-old son, and that's why I'm voting yes, because the, um, it, you know, it will be much safer for him if we have legalised cannabis than the, the current situation with organised crime. The gateway drug theory was based on the idea that people would use cannabis and then they would crave something stronger. It comes straight out of you know, the 1950s, Reefer Madness. <laughs> but the gateway is actually this, the legal status of cannabis, is that if somebody wants cannabis, they go to someone who's selling it illegally, and that person is quite often selling something else as well. So it's a bit like when you go to McDonald's, you know, would you like fries with that? You go along the person selling cannabis and they say to you, oh, hey, I've, I've got some ecstasy as well or, mm. hey, I've got some uh, a bit of mess. Have you tried that? Would you like some? You know, and the person you're buying off is usually a mate. You sit down and you have a smoke with them when you buy the cannabis and then they're talking to you about the other drugs that they've got and how good they are and you go, oh, I'll give it a go. I'll try it, you know, and so then you try it and then, then you're taking something else. So you take that drug and you go, oh, that wasn't so bad either. Oh, I'll try something else and it, that's how it goes on. It's the uh, the fact that the person you're buying it off is selling other drugs as well. But the cannab- and that is broken with the legal market because the cannabis retail shops aren't selling ecstasy or LSD or methamphetamine. They're only selling cannabis. Wonderful. Thank you for your time today. Um, just as, as far as you're aware, where are the polls sitting at the moment for how this vote may go? It's incredibly close. The last poll had... Um, it, both the yes and no sitting at 49.5%. Wow. Um, which to me is a bit a bit disturbing because, you know, with COVID-19, it's been very hard to communicate incredibly complicated research and scientific information that you know, for the average person to try and understand. And as a result, a lot of people are defaulting to very old myths and misinformation um, mm. being a challenge. Well, thank you so much for joining us today to uh, clear up some of those myths. Um, uh, we're, I mean, we can go to referendums.govt.nz for, um, you know, the, to outline the bill as it is. But where can we find out more information about the Make It Legal campaign? Uh, yes, Make It Legal. We have a website and a Facebook page. Just, you know, look for Make It Legal NZ and you'll find us. Um, and, yeah, we have um, a really active discussion on our social media pages. So you can always... Tag your parents in for that tricky question. <laughs>
Yeah. One of our moderators will help you to provide good quality information to them. Wonderful. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing in this space. No problem. Thank you. Sandra Larson, uh, Campaign Manager for Make It Legal. Uh, I know these conversations that we're having around the referendum are difficult for many, particularly if you've held certain views for a long period of time, but I do urge you to get out there, educate yourself on the facts and the research that is available for you. Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com slash freefm89 to find out more.